Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. We're back today with Maggie Craddock, author of a new book, Lifeboat, Navigating Unexpected Career Change and Disruption. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about the lifeboat process and how that applies to optometrists. Welcome. Thank you so much, Marjolyn. I'm glad to be back with you. How long should you hang on to a less than perfect kind of situation? This is so such a wonderful question because one of the central things we do in, in the book Lifeboat is we go through the questions from the Titanic and we tie them directly to what people are dealing with today. Mm-hmm. One of them, Marjolyn, goes to what you just addressed. So we say, you know, on the from the older, old norm view of the big ship mentality, you know, you're just always staying busy and faster is better and all of this. In the in the lifeboat mindset, it goes into a lot of work people can do right now to train themselves in their lives and careers to take that strategic pause and align their thoughts, their feelings, and their intentions clearly in the present moment. And take those strategic pauses, which isn't... Um, which isn't about denying your feelings. That's more the big ship mindset of keep your game face on no matter what. But it really goes to tapping into them as a source of wisdom without being capsized by them, without giving in to something or even leaving a, a promising job prematurely. And one of our central questions is, when do I get in the lifeboat? And that means, look, I've tried with this culture. I've tried with this boss, right? Um, I just feel emotionally erased. I just don't feel heard. Or... Perhaps um, the, uh, the emotional tone of this workplace is, is not making it possible for me to have the self-confidence I need to keep my career on track. I'm not, I'm not able to envision the widest range of options for my own development in this environment because the sense of fear is too pervasive or because there's a, a, a communications dynamic that's not fostering a sense of mutual respect for other people. These are really important things, right? So you can start to address them, but here's your thing. You get in a lifeboat when there's the three things to look at. Your physical health is being compromised, okay? So you can't sleep, you're not eating, there's difficulties there, you're smoking or something you shouldn't, you know, that's not good for your long-term health, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Your mental health is being compromised. If If you're feeling like you're dealing with addiction, or you have an above average need for some kind of psychological support that you can really pretty much pinpoint, not on uh, unrealistic expectations you're placing on yourself, but on that environment, it's time. And most important, Marjolyn, it's time, particularly when we're working from home, to start thinking transitionally, not jumping prematurely, but making plans. Mm -hmm. If the group energy of your workplace or your dynamic is causing rifts in your relationships with the people who are most important to you, And that's a very important milestone when we're working from home because our marriages and our ability to parent in a patient way are on the line. And if we're not working for people who can give us the benefit of the doubt and understand those needs, we may need to start looking at a lifeboat, you know? I I think this is fascinating for this particular group Mm -hmm. um, because I really do see also uh, the personal risks that people in optometry are taking. So here we have optometrists who are reopening their practices, seeing patients for more routine care, um, and they're dealing with 
whether they're owners or, or employed uh, in, in an employed situation, they're dealing with employees, other employees who, who need to make sure that, you know, patients are wearing masks, patients are doing the right thing, because everyone who comes into a, a, a practice, every employee, every patient, uh, potentially brings this, this COVID risk with them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's a very stressful time. They're making less money because they're not seeing as many patients typically. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it just, you know, how, how long can you sort of sustain this, this anxiety? Well, and I, I think this goes to um, one of the central themes that uh, we'll keep coming back to around work at this particular time. And the fact that the, again, the, the big ship minds at the old norms aren't going to work. We really need to make this shift from what I call the self-help mindset, which is our primary concern is for our individual security and personal advancement to what I call the us help mindset, mm-hmm. where we're balancing our ability to advance in terms of our own careers with our ability to support the greater good in the group. And I think wholesale, many people are going to be making the shift from what I call the self-help approach to life and work mm-hmm. to a more us help approach as we go forward. And hopefully we'll be seeding that in the next generation, because if you look at what's going on, it's not like this is clearing up quickly. Right. At first we thought, you know, we'll have a vaccine. And then we thought, let's not take it seriously. And then we thought it's not that big a deal. And then we thought young people do. And now we're looking at these numbers and we're realizing that this could be, we don't know yet. We just don't know yet. Right. This could be a kind of environment that goes on for a long time. Yep. So for everyone, we're not just working for a paycheck. Mm. And that's why some of the things that we talk about in Lifeboat, about things like even when you grew up and there was a mild disagreement in the family, who was the person who came out on top and was the, was the, the person who exerted the most sway in the family? Was it the person who had the most money? Mm. Was it the person who was the disciplinarian? Let's look at what money means to you, Right. It's very vital to making this shift from self-help to us-help because we must find a sense of purpose in what we do. That will keep us going. And if that sense of purpose, if you can find that genuine sense of purpose as someone contributing to your community and making sure that people have sight and you're able to make it, I think as we get through this, more normal standards of compensation will begin to reset as we go through this period. But my concern is for many of us, Marjolyn, we could be going into a period where optometrists who are working to make sure that people have sight in their community will be living in communities where many people are at food banks who don't have professions Mm -hmm. at all, right? Mm -hmm. Who don't have skilled training, who student loans are not, Uh, have not had the opportunity to get the education that they need, right? Right. Moving forward. And then, of course, we'll see uh, what happens uh, in our government in terms of a lot of issues around how loans are addressed, right? We're looking at that writ large because that's very difficult because we don't want people hampered. We want them productive. Right. So we're going to see how all that unfolds as well. And I can't say anything about that one way or the other, although I do hope and I, 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 that people who are trained and who are able to offer the kinds of services people desperately need to be able to see and do all of this are given every opportunity to build families and livelihoods without being hampered uh, by an extraordinary debt burden as we move forward. Right. 
So let me ask, you mentioned, you know, disciplinary and the person with money that is there a, is there a right or wrong attitude toward money or is it equilibrium? I mean, what, you you know, is it completely dependent on your personality? In Lifeboat, we talk an awful lot about the lifeboat mentality being one of balance and agility. Mm-hmm. Okay. Being able to really align your, your ideas, your thoughts, because remember you're going to be tipped by emotion. So you want to sort of get back to center and not be in, in extremes, but you sort of, without putting too many uh, judgments around the emotional memories, you want to be able to give the people in your family system a break, but you don't want to bury a lot of feelings either, because that's what's going to get you into that undertow where you're operating um, based on sort of emotional projections rather than what's unfolding in the present. And what's unfolding in the present is different. Mm-hmm. So we need to pay attention to that, right? But let's say that in your family system, uh, you had one parent who made most of the money and whenever there was a mild disagreement as like where to eat or who to spend time with the in-laws, it was the parent who was the most lucratively compensated that always ruled the roost. Yeah, That may impact your thoughts about the value of money and the way that things roll in your family system. In many family systems, it's not like that. Sometimes it's the parent who has the most, uh, the, the, the most vibrant sense of meaning from their career who's the force of, na- of nature in that family. So you'll have one parent that's sort of keeping the lights on and another one that's um, a scientist who's looking for breakthrough cancer cures or an artist or a musician. Mm-hmm. And they're the one who's the force of energy. Sometimes it's the parent who is the full-time disciplinarian. And in my experience, that can be male or female in this environment right? Because in spite of the wage gap, the one thing you can't predict when you have two working parents is who's going to lose their job when. Yeah. So, you know, that's happening all over the place. And then you've got kids watching this, watching the way parents negotiate conflict, right? Watching all the nuances of it. Do do they talk over each other? Do they work together as a united front? Is money used emotionally to soothe things? Kids will notice, right? right? Or are there really balanced family discussions around that, right? Where people are in alignment and taking positive steps. And I, I definitely think for parents out there with two income households who may be switching roles before this is over, you have a job for this 18 months and wow, that went down, but I got a job over here. You never know how that's going to work, right? Right. How are we modeling things from the next generation and what are they learning? Are they learning that if things are upset in the household, they can play one off against the other to get another, you know, little game or toy? Or are they learning that we all work together as a united front under pressure? Because that will give them the confidence they need to not have their expectations around money sink their aspirations in terms of their career long term. And that's definitely what I want your listeners in optometry to remember. You can hold on to those long term aspirations and should about having your own practice and the importance and dignity of your profession for all of us Mm -hmm. right now in any period. But be mindful of your short term. And by short term, tragically, Marjolyn, and I mean the next like 18 months, which doesn't seem short, but it is in the span of a career, right? Right, exactly. Your expectations around money, don't let those capsize you. Because the price you pay if you let those capsize you is the ability to realize those very important aspirations in, in the optometry profession, very realistic ones. Is 
is having a, a, a personal and as a business owner, a, a, a business financial plan critical? Well, I definitely think it is, but I definitely think that at this time, you know, we mentioned earlier in our conversation that one of the things we talk about a lot when we're just talking about the human element of the lifeboat process is you're going to want to look at resources that aren't all monetary. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you look at that Titanic story, at one moment it was about impression management and being larger than life and having a great party on the high seas. And the next moment it's about survival. And right now, for many businesses, it is very much about survival, right? This is a shift. So the way that we look at our business plan and the the way that we value resources aren't just confined to things we can quantify on a spreadsheet right now, right? Sure. Yeah. They're also, you know, things as we talked about, like, you know, our, our connectivity with our communities. And really, I think for people looking at their business model out there, they not only want to look for people that are technically skilled as optometrists, they want to look for people who have a sense of presence that brings optimism and, dare I say, a healing tone mm-hmm. to the way that they work. Because we're all under pressure right now. So every point of contact we have with people, and particularly as dangerous as it is for people to leave their homes, Mm-hmm. Going to see an optometrist may be one of the few times people make that choice. It's scary for the care provider. Yeah. It's scary for the client, right? Mm-hmm. So you may be, or the people that are on the front lines representing your business may be, one of the rare moments of face-to-face human contact that people experience in a long time if they're being extremely cautious with their approach. Right. And if the numbers in this disease keep rising, more people are going to be extremely cautious. So you want to make sure that they leave not only with the correct prescription, right, but they leave in an emotional state with an attitude that, wow, you know, I'm really glad I got out and did that (laughs) on multiple levels, right? Not just in terms of accomplishing the task. And of course, for people who are injured or they have a scratch on their cornea or something like this, it's obviously critical that they see you. Mm -hmm. But also in terms of the fact that, wow, I really feel good about having taken the time to do this. I can vouch for that. My new glasses that I got last month make me feel great. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's marvelous. And, you know, I have an optometrist that I love, and I have a lot of contact lenses, but I have this one pair that they, they insisted that I get, and I'm blessing them every single day. It's a pair of glasses that when you go outside, they turn into sunglasses. Uh-huh. Sure. Outside, so they go from dark to light. So for all of us who are at home and, and you know, don't want to worry too much about fumbling uh, with, with contact solutions and things like this, you know, a lot of things have gone for me. Uh, you know, manicures are one of them. But, uh, but these glasses that go from dark to light, if anybody's out there renewing a prescription or something like this, I'm going to put a plug in for these. They're just marvelous. <laughs> and you can put them in and it doesn't matter what you're doing. Right. You know, they're really, they're really worth the investment. You don't so, have to uh, touch your face, right? <laughs> you don't have to touch your face. You don't have to fumble for sunglasses and go back in and out. You're in the grocery store, you're out of the grocery store and your eyeglasses have just done it for you. You know, it's marvelous. <laughs> I'm glad you're happy with those. Yeah, I really am. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, um, Maggie, the 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 lifeboat concept again is. It, it, I, I love the three sort of checklist items. 
do you do you need really to wait for all three before you jump in the lifeboat or no no we go through in the process we go through uh the eight questions the, the book is relatively brief but we go through eight questions that titanic survivors ask themselves because they're mm-hmm. timeless human questions we ask under pressure mm-hmm. and then we go through relating them to how they impact people's lives and careers and the choices they're making as they're facing things like COVID-19 and how it's impacting their communities today. So, so the first one really is, is this ship safe, right? And so, you know, when people got on the Titanic, many people thought it was unsinkable. But when you think about as an optometrist, the, the ship uh, as your business or your practice, you not only want to think about being agile about your balance sheet, you want to think about the, as we spoke about, the emotional tone that you're setting as a practice, how that's serving your community, right? And how that's creating an environment where the people who work for you are able to actualize their ability to be their best selves as professionals, right? Um, And then we talk about what do I do if I sense trouble? And we talk about all the iceberg warnings that they ignored on the Titanic, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They got a lot of them before that last one. And so you just want to ask yourself as as an optometry practice, you know, who's empowered to acknowledge problems or question norms in terms of what we're doing? Right. And that may even be the case as you're taking in clients uh, in, in the midst of this pandemic. And then that question that you and I, Marjolyn, have you know talked about a couple of times, when is it time to get off on a lifeboat? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people on the Titanic, you know, we go through the stories in the book. They just didn't get on in time because right. they figured it was unsinkable. Right. And so, you know, I, I tell people, um, you know, consider the risk spectrum of what you have to look at. You know, do you need to stay in your firm and consider other plans at the same time? How's this impacting your health, your emotional health, your ability to support your family, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we, we talk about is the question, you know, what do I do if I freeze in a crisis? Uh, we talk through the classic example of Robert Hitchens, who, you know, had his hand on the wheel of the Titanic when they were headed right for the iceberg and then ended up, you know, froze under pressure uh, heading up lifeboat number six. And this is where you have to ask yourself, you know, when it's business as usual, keep your game face on and suppress uncomfortable feelings. But these are not normal conditions. Right. So you right, you really do need to tune into yourself under pressure and, and, and ensure uh, that you're paying attention to where you need to make course corrections. And then we talk about how do you find inner strength under pressure? And we talk about the people on those lifeboats, like the famous uh, Margaret Brown, who did, who saved the day. But a lot of this is learning to take those strategic pauses so that we're aware of how we're feeling. We're connected with others in terms of how they're feeling. And, you know, Marjolyn, you and I just talked about connecting with clients when they come in because they may be your only point of contact, right? And how, you know, how you align your thoughts and feelings and actions in the present. And then we talk about who can I trust in a crisis, right? And this is discernment under pressure. And in terms of how you run an optometry practice and, you know, how you choose to evolve into someone who will someday run your own, you want to make sure, particularly in a crisis like this, that your, your intentions and your actions are aligned because those are, those are, that can be challenging under pressure. And then uh, uh, the seventh question is, how do we survive together? So as you're creating a, a practice, it's part of a community. That shift from self-help to us-help creates a tone of unity that contributes not only to your individual, your individual enterprise, but to your community. And then finally, and I, I do hope your listeners uh, get to hear this one, the final question in the lifeboat process is, what will be my story? Because depending upon how they behaved under pressure, 
Those survivors, what they did at that historic turning point followed them for the rest of their lives. So, you know, Bruce Ismay, who was one of the big investors from the White Star Line who snuck off uh, a lifeboat despite the women and uh, children thing, was plagued by depression for the rest of his life. Right. Mar- yeah. Margaret Brown, who steered them all through the uh, the crisis to safety, was was heralded as a hero. So when you look at your career in, in large ways and small ways, in terms of how you navigate these moments of uncertainty with your family, with your community, with the people who work for you, you're going to look back on a professional legacy and say, wow, this was a historic turning point. What choices did I make? How did I operate? Who did I add value for? I think it's an extremely important thing to think about when we're making uh, professional decisions at this time. I think it's fascinating how this 108-year-old tragedy with the Titanic has yielded, you know, all these parallels and and lessons for for this moment in time. As we said, you know, I I don't know if we'd started recording by this point or not, Marjolaine, Um, it, it has been amazing timing for this book to come out, particularly since I started writing it five years ago. But, uh, but so the launch date is really pretty amazing. It's coming out on August 4th. But it's also, I will say, as extraordinary as the timing is, I, like a lot of people, as you understand, would never want the conditions in our world that have made it extraordinary. No. You know, would never, never have wanted that. No, that's true. That's true, but it's uh, it's it's nice to have a little bit of uh, a, a historical game plan, and and if nothing else, for the perspective that uh, we can get through this, you, you know. Well, well, absolutely, because these specific, it's like the waves on the surface. The specific challenges that we're facing economically and globally are very unique, right? In our interconnected global environment, with the unrest and all of this. But the thing about the story of the Titanic is it shows us that as human beings, the lessons we need to learn about how to address unexpected change and disruption are timeless. They are timeless. People who have gone before us have shown us the way. Maggie, thanks again for being on WO Voices podcast series. Uh, We look forward to your book coming out in August, and it's called Lifeboat, Navigating Unexpected Career Change and Disruption. Thank you, Marjorie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.